Blog Talk Radio. Healthy and Tone Radio with your host, Darren Batman McDuck. And now, prepare to get fat. Hey, what's cracking? What's popping and all that? Welcome to another episode of Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio. I'm your host, Darren McDuffie, and tonight we have an awesome show for you. We're going to be talking about fibroids, endometriosis, man boobs, and I think we're going to squeeze in impotence in there as well. So, Female listeners and male listeners, we will hit both topics for you. Before we get into the show, I wanted to just give you a couple of announcements. If you have not liked my Facebook fan page, please do so. I want to build this community. I want to get you more exciting guests. And there's a lot of things that I want to do in the future that will affect our community and, and do some great things for the community. So if you have not liked my Facebook fan page, go to I'm the Fat Man on Facebook. I am the P-H-A-T man and join the fan page. Also, please link with me on Twitter. That's where you'll get the show updates. My Twitter uh, handle is thefat underscore man. And link with me on Twitter, and you can get the show updates. And keep in touch with me. Also, last thing before we get ready for the show, is I will have a blog up tomorrow. And it will be talking about uh, truth about prescriptions or uh, Thinking, thinking outside of prescriptions, rather, and it's uh, about Danny Walker. And I had Danny on a show not too long ago, if you listened to that show, where she actually worked with her husband to cure an autoimmune disease known as sarcoidosis. And for those of you who don't know what sarcoidosis is, it's an inflammatory uh, lung response. And uh, we lost the comedian Bernie Mac to that and also Reggie White, who played for the Green Bay Packers. I had no idea until Danny told me that Reggie White actually uh, died from that disease. So check that out tomorrow. I'll have that up on the blog at imthefatman.com, and make sure you check that out. So we are getting into the show. I'm really excited about tonight's show because I followed this guy for a very, very long time. He's actually been doing this quite a bit, a long time before I actually started to get into this, and I kind of looked at some of his videos and followed him and just decided to jump out there on my own and, uh, and start getting more into the health field. But tonight we have Dr. Curtis Duncan on the show, and he's going to be talking about fibroids, endometriosis, man boobs, and also impotence. So without further ado, I want to bring Dr. Curtis Duncan on. Hey, how you doing today? Thank you for having me on air. Yeah, yeah. How you doing, Dr. Dr. Duncan? Hey, I can't complain. Can't complain. Doing well, just, um, you know, uh, trying to adjust to this uh, semi-cold weather here in Atlanta now. Yeah, um, but uh, right. all's well, though. All's well. Yeah, I know you guys had quite the winter in there. I, I, when we were off the air before we came on, I was explaining to you that I live in Atlanta. I don't miss those uh, those winter storms that Atlanta's having. I don't, I don't envy you by it. By anything. Yeah, it's but, been um, it's been interesting weather they had down here for the past uh, several weeks. So, yeah, um, we have to, you know, yeah, it's just to make an adjustment to it. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's get into the show. But before we do, um, Doctor Duncan, let's let the uh, listeners learn a little bit more about you. What how did what got you into this crazy? 
crazy, crazy world I call a ballistic health. Well, what, what sparked my interest was, number one, I just didn't want to be a statistic. I, you know, just growing up, you know, you know, learn about, like, heart disease and diabetes, and you see family members suffer from these diseases, and, you know, and you always hear, you know, it's just a part of life. You get old, you, you know, get sick. And I just never really accepted that. You know, I, I believe that diet played a big portion uh, in, in in the types of lives and the types of lives that people led, and it really governed your health. And I also believe that life and death began in the, in the power of the tongue. So if you actually believe that, hey, you know, when I get sixty, I'm probably going to die from, from heart disease, type two diabetes, etc., then that's what your destiny was going to be. Um, you, 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 I mean, you, you're just going to die because you've already kind of rendered yourself helpless. You've already made yourself a victim. And I didn't want to be another victim. I didn't want to be, I didn't want to die of heart disease and type 2 diabetes. I just didn't believe that those things were natural. So uh, that's when I started doing research. Started doing research into uh, just, you know, when I was 18, and just started doing research into all types of topics, uh, diet, nutrition. You know, that's when I cut out eating red meat because I thought red meat was bad for you. Turns out it's really not that bad for you. Uh, that's when I also, also started cutting out soda. It's probably one of the best decisions I ever made because uh, soda, sugar is probably the number one uh, dietary cause of just about all diseases that people suffer from today, particularly here in America. Um, and just, just you know, from there, you know, because kind of like one thing leads to another. So once you do research in one area, then it leads to information to other areas. So I just kind of built upon information that I gathered over the years and you know, I realized, okay, hey, you know, I have a lot of great information. I can teach people this. And I started doing that around the age of about 23. I started probably kind of teaching people. That's how I got the name doctor. Uh, Curtis, you know, it's kind of just a term meaning teacher because that's what doctor means, it means to teach in, in Latin. So that's when I really kind of took off from there, just really started going full force into it and doing as much research as I could because I realized people really needed this information because so many people in this country were just sick, and they just were chronically sick. It's not even just a little uh, ache and pain here and there. And people, you know, have type two diabetes, heart disease. They're on three different, three di- they're on three different cholesterol cholesterol pills and other prescription drugs. So a lot of people in this country just were really sick, and you know, you really can't go to the doctors because the doctors aren't provide, providing good information to people. And of course. Um, really, no medical professionals are providing good information because those people were sick themselves. So it's just a matter of where I saw the need for it, um, particularly amongst family, friends, uh, people that I knew. I just started teaching it because something I was kind of passionate about. I've always wanted to be a doctor. I didn't want to go through med school and you know have to get in the four hundred thousand dollars of the debt and you know spend ten years. I just that kind of turned me off even at a very early age. But I always did have that altruistic uh, spirit, if you will, where I wanted to help people. So I always wanted to be a doctor, but, you know, I was kind of turned off by the amount of education and the debt that was going to be required for me to become a doctor. But I, I, I kind of became that later on in life just through my own independent studies and research. Yeah, yeah. So um, in your research, and I know you've done a ton of research on, on uh different issues, and I know you started to work with women, and you encountered uh, uh, one of the, the big things that I think women encounter is uh, fibroids, and uh, endometriosis is always out there as well. How did you start studying this, and, and what were some of the conclusions that you came to after, after studying these conditions? Well, 
Well, excuse me, my, my initial studies, what I, what I found was is that, number one, um, just because a lot of women suffered from these particular ailments, you know, fibroids in particular, uh, particularly uh, black women. So, you know, it just never made sense, okay, like, you know, why is it that black women have such high rates of this particular condition? So, you know, I just started doing some digging, and, you know, I remember I was going through a government website, uh, just, you know, a regular U.S. government website, or just one of those uh, National Institutes of Health website. And it stated that fibroids was caused by estrogen. And it kind of got my attention. I was like, hmm, estrogen. Well, you know, are black women producing more estrogen than maybe uh, other ethnic groups? Or, you know, you know why is it, you know, because... Estrogen is a natural, just a natural hormone that women produce. So why is it that, you know, just a natural hormone that women produce is driving uh, these tumors? Uh, the, you know, that, that, that's not really good. I mean, because I mean, it kind of implies that women just naturally get fibroid tumors, I and mean, that's definitely not the case. So from, from there, just kind of, I started doing more research into chemicals and substances that people are being exposed to on a daily basis, which mimic estrogen. Uh, and once I got into that topic, I was like, oh, okay. You know, and so, it, it, you know, I was able to the, understand why um, women, you know, uh, you know, black women in particular have high rates of fibroids. I was able to understand why so many women have PCOS, uh, obesity, endometriosis, breast cancer, cervical cancer, ovarian cancer, uh, type 2 diabetes. It's all caused by these different estrogen-mimicking chemicals, they're officially known as endocrine disruptors. And the chemicals are everywhere uh, because they are derived from petroleum. So we live in a petroleum-based economy, a petroleum-based society. When you go to the grocery store, you get into a petroleum-fueled automobile. Uh, you then uh, pick out food, which was grown in petroleum-based fertilizers, uh, and was sprayed with petroleum-based pesticides, and then you use your petroleum-based plastic credit card uh, to buy the food, which is also wrapped in petroleum-based plastic, and you, you use, and they put another plastic bag uh, to take it home, and you use a petroleum-based car, you know, to go. So our whole society is based upon petroleum. So the chemicals which are derived from petroleum are going to be everywhere. They're going to be, you know, they're in cosmetics, they're in pesticides, they're in plastics, they're in a whole host of items that women and men use on a daily basis and completely uh, unaware of because, I mean, it's not like the, uh, the chemicals have a label on them. And when you go to the store, hey, spray with pesticides, they don't, they don't label that. They don't, even, they don't even label GMOs so, um, or gen genetically modified foods. So from understanding that and how um, estrogen really is number one cause of most women's diseases, most women's diseases, in particular fibroids, I was able to see the connection between some of these, uh, between estrogen and some of these chemicals and their connection to breast cancer, polycystic ovarian syndrome, um, uh, fibroids, endometriosis. And, and the really bad thing is that most women and most people in this country, they're developing these, these conditions in the womb. So when you're exposed to a chemical like bisphenol A, which is found in canned foods, uh, you know, it's found in canned beer, a variety of canned foods, just about all canned foods contain bisphenol A. And this chemical, is again, is derived from petroleum. It's derived from a benzene, uh, which is a molecule that is manufactured when you, when you drill for oil in, in the ground. Uh, so they take that, that benzene and turn it into a chemical to make more money, naturally. 
because that's what corporations want to do. They want to maximize their profits. So what happens is when you're exposed to bisphenol A within the womb, you actually develop breast cancer cells. So then when you, when you become the age of 40, you know, you develop breast cancer. But the, the exposure and the development of breast cancer occurred within the womb. It had nothing to do with genetics. had nothing to do with, you know, necessarily your, you know, poor diet, because, I mean, a lot of women have really good, really good clean diets. It had to do with you being exposed to a very toxic chemical within the womb while you were developing in utero, in, in, in your mother's uterus. And then later on in life, you developed a particular disease. Same thing with fibroids. Same thing with type 2 diabetes. These chemicals actually change the way your genes express themselves to where later on in life you develop a whole host of diseases, and you don't know why. And I talk with women all the time, like, you know, I have a clean diet. I'm a vegan. I don't consume dairy. I don't consume soy. Why do I have fibroids? It's likely because they're exposed to bisphenol A, and they probably were because it's a 90 90% of uh, Americans' bodies, um, and that was a study done by the CDC, which proves that. It was done, it was, you know, the exposure happens in the womb, and they develop con- the condition later on in life. So it really had necessarily nothing to do with their own fault or some decision that they made or something they were, they were eating or consuming or being exposed to. It oftentimes had to do with the fact that they were exposed to some of these chemicals within the womb. Uh, so that's, that's the really the dangerous and, and really shocking thing that I learned from all my research is that most of these conditions that people have, from obesity uh, to diabetes to PCOS to endometriosis to fibroids to breast cancer, prostate cancer, low testosterone, low sperm count, whatever impotence, whatever it is we're talking about, most of these conditions start within the womb. And then later on in life, you develop the actual the condition uh, that you know, brings people a lot of uh, discomfort and they're very disheartened about. Yeah, I always tell people it's the accumulation over a period of years in which you get these conditions. They don't they don't just happen. Now, with respect with respect to estrogen, uh, people that are there listening may not understand hormones. Can you kind of break down uh, hormones for us? Is it too much estrogen or too little estrogen estrogen that are causing these these kinds of conditions? You said is it too much estrogen? Too much, or is it too much estrogen, or too little estrogen that's causing these conditions? It's too much. So, for women, for example, who are, let's say, obese, okay, they have a higher rate of breast cancer because when you become obese, and I mean obese, I'm not saying like you know having little having little love handles because a lot of women they feel really insecure because of media and Hollywood of their weight. I'm not talking about having little love handles. I'm talking about being like just obese, really, really big. So when you're obese, you actually begin to produce more. The fat cells that you have begin to produce more estrogen. So what happens is that you actually, because of the excess estrogen, which, again, is known, which is considered to be a carcinogen. So that's important to remember that excessive estrogen has the power to be a carcinogen in excessive amounts. That's why naturally women are only naturally supposed to be exposed to estrogen from the age of from the age of about 14 till about 50 when they go to menopause now because of all the different all the estrogen and chemicals that women are being exposed to the average woman goes to puberty at the age of 10 at the age i mean some women go into the age of seven about close to about 48 percent of black girls now in this country go into puberty about at the age of seven but the average now for most for all girls throughout throughout the country is 10 
So they're being exposed to more estrogen for four years of life that they weren't naturally supposed to be exposed to. So what happens is that when you're exposed to excessive amounts of estrogen, that's when all these problems come in, the endometriosis, the fibroids, the breast cancer, the cervical cancer, the ovarian cancer, the obesity, because what does estrogen do? One of the, one of the things that estrogen does is that makes you, makes you store and put on weight. That's why women gain weight when they become pregnant, because their estrogen levels go up. And when they breastfeed and, you know, aren't pregnant anymore, their estrogen levels go down. So they lose weight naturally, you know, not, not because they're on a diet. It's because of their estrogen levels going down. So just about everything in our body is governed by hormones, whether it's your thyroid, your insulin, estrogen, testosterone, these hormones, they are, they are essentially, they provide feedback to ourselves and to our body on what to do. So if you're being exposed to too much estrogen, natural or unnatural, whether it's a chemical, whether it's your body's own natural estrogens, then what's going to happen is that that's going to be, okay, well, you know, that, that estrogen is a growth hormone. So it's going to tell uh, the cells in your body to grow malignantly. And when you have excessive amounts of growth malignantly or, you know, basically unwanted growth or undesired growth within your cells, then you develop cancer. That's all cancer is, just excessive growth of cells that aren't supposed to be there. And then that cancer can spread and cause a lot of damage. So, I mean, it's a matter of now, I mean, there, there, are, there are some women who suffer from uh, very, very low amounts of estrogen, and those are usually women who are like bodybuilders, who are just ex- like extreme athletic women, like who just work out a lot, you know, women who uh, maybe like uh, who, who run track or who just work out excessively. I mean, I, I, I mean excessively. They have very little body weight, you know, and, you know, but that's not most women in this country. Most women have way too much estrogen as a result of obesity and as a result of being exposed to all these different chemicals. Yeah. Now, you mentioned just um, women who, um, uh, this, this happening at an early, early age. What of some of the, the products or some of the ingredients that might bring something of, this, something of that nature on, like uh, early puberty? Oh, man, there's a, me, there's a whole host of products that I would do that. Uh, well, as far as, excuse me, as far as, like, I'll start with, <laughs> there's numerous products. I mean, because mind you now, there are close to 100,000 chemi- synthetic chemicals that have been released on the market since the 1920s. Right. Uh, so the most, some of the more common ones that women are exposed to, I would say uh, number one would be like placenta, placenta extract. That's a really common ingredient that's found in a lot of hair care products, found in a lot of black hair care products. It's found in just a lot of product, beauty products women use on a consistent basis. You also have heavy metals like mercury and lead. They all mimic estrogen, and those are found in a lot of uh, makeups because a lot of makeups are contaminated with heavy metals like cadmium, uh, mercury, and also lead. Lead and cadmium are probably the most common, and also arsenic too. Uh, also, you have another uh, tampons. You have dioxins. Dioxins are, are created when you actually bleach anything that's, you know, anytime you bleach a fabric, anytime you're using bleach tampons, you're being exposed to dioxins. Dioxins are a huge cause of endometriosis. Uh, you also have uh, parabens. Those are found in a lot of cosmetics. Um, so, those, I mean, those, I mean, those, that's just 
I mean, I, I could probably go on for days listing all of them. I mean, not necessarily for days. I mean, but there's a whole host. Those are probably some of the most common ones. I mean, the, really the most common route is to go through cosmetics. Um, and, you know, the cosmetics are, you know, the women use them, you know, very excessively in this country. So the cosmetics are probably going to be the most direct route for the average woman as she's being exposed to a lot of these different really harmful chemicals. Yeah. I remember Chris Rock did a, um, I think it was a documentary a while ago, and it was called Good Hair, Bad Hair, if anybody wants to check that out, where he goes in detail about that whole uh, placenta placenta issue and the fact that the estrogens are in the, uh, the hair care products. Um, now, with, with that, I watched one of your YouTube videos, and you kind of broke it down as far as there were three things two other things, rather, outside of estrogen, and you mentioned these two hormones, and I wanted you to kind of cover them. One would be insulin, and the other one would be cortisol, and these are the things that kind of ignite that fire, so to speak, that kind of start the whole, the whole fibroid tumors and the whole endometriosis wheel uh, rolling. So can you cover those a little bit so the audience can understand that? Yeah, well, number one, um, when we're talking about hormones, you know, hormones govern everything. And it's really hormones which really dictate our health or our really dictate health or disease. So when I talk about insulin, that deals with your pancreas. You know, it's all, always helpful for people to kind of go back to anatomy. So your pancreas secretes insulin. Uh, your, you know, just every, just about many cells in your body create estrogen. And cortisol is created when you're understressed. So the average person, as I mentioned before, is being exposed to way too much estrogen, and it's, and it's unnatural estrogens that they're being exposed to. People are also being exposed to way too much cortisol as a result of stress. We live in a very stressful society, and really it's not – whenever people talk about stress, they always want to talk about it in terms of personal decisions, you know, like, you know, people, you know, you, know, you have to relieve stress and, and this, that, and the third, but – the reality is, is that stress is inherent to our society because it's based upon, you know, just to kind of help people kind of get past this whole shame that, you know, you're stressing yourself out. Our society is stressful. Um, you know, it's based upon hierarchy. You know, whenever, and you know, I mean, because I mean, I'll just use me as an example. Whenever I'm stopped by a cop, I feel stressed. Why? Because he has a gun and he has the right to kill me, you know, if, if he so pleases, you know, just to be blunt, if you will, because it's a hierarchy. He's an authority. I am not. He has a gun. So he has a legal authority to dominate me. That produces stress. When people go to their jobs and their boss is getting on their ass, you know, why don't you do this, why don't you do that, that produces stress because they have the authority to fire you, to just, you know, to terminate your livelihood, your source of income. That produces stress. So the average American very stressed out, extremely stressed out. And, and the lower you are on the social and economic hierarchy, then you're going to be even more stressed out. A very fascinating documentary called Stress the Silent Killer. You can watch it on Netflix, um, and it, uh, it's actually a National Geographic documentary. And it talks about this whole notion of hierarchy and, and you know, animals in the wild and how certain animals who are low kind of like on the totem pole have higher stress levels than like the alpha males, if you will. So you can think of the people like who are at the top of society, the wealthy, the elites, the politicians, et cetera. They have lower stress levels than the average, you know, uh, wage slave, you know, nine to five working, um, 
person who's just, you're just trying to survive. They have very high stress levels. So that's the first thing. So Americans are just really, really stressed out. And then you have insulin. Americans are over insulized over insulized excuse me, you know, confusing word. And the reason why is because of, you know, the diets we have, they're all based upon excessive amounts of carbohydrates. The average American, you know, at least 50% of their diet comes from carbohydrates, from sugar, from wheat, from potatoes, uh, from fruit juice, um, and, you know, and, and they consume carbohydrates all throughout the day. And the government recommends this. The, the government says, hey, you know, consume whole grains, consume uh, 10% of your calories from sugar, consume french fry. I mean, so the average American is consuming all, so they have the stress. You have the, the estrogen, which is found in all the chemicals, found in everywhere. It's found in your grocery receipts because bisphenol A is found in your grocery receipts. And they have the stress along with that, and you have the carbohydrates. So, you know, the average American has extremely high levels of all three of those hormones. And what happens is, is that when it comes to fibrotumors, for example, not only is it caused by estrogen, but it's also caused by having high levels of insulin. Uh, so that's why it's been studies have shown that women who consume excessive amounts of sugar have higher rates of fibroids than women who don't because insulin is another growth hormone, just like estrogen is. So that's why, you know, the higher, your, the higher your insulin levels, the more carbohydrates you consume, the higher risk of developing cancer because insulin tells things to grow. It, I mean, it, it is a, essentially a growth hormone. So, you know, it, it provides energy to those cancer cells, uh, and it also makes you store fat, too, um, and, and, and it kind of prevents you from losing. So, you know, hormones govern everything. So when you're consuming, you know, you're stressed out, you're, you know, you're being exposed to all these different chemicals, cosmetics, makeup, et cetera, just breathing the air, um, different things in your job, and your environment, et cetera, and then you add in all the carbohydrates, which kind of help to lower your stress levels consequently. And that's, you know, carbohydrates are actually like a really cheap drug that, you know, typically sugar. It's like these are cheap drugs because it's a way that people kind of lower their stress levels. When people are stressed out, they don't consume broccoli. They eat a donut. They, you know, french fries. They're, they eat cake, cookies. They're essentially eating carbohydrates to kind of relieve their stress. Um, so... When you consume all these different things, you're consuming a lot of hormones which are going to stimulate uh, cells in your body to grow. Uh, so that's why, in particular, insulin, estrogen, and cortisol, because cortisol also raises your insulin, your, your blood sugar levels too, which is going to raise your insulin levels because insulin is responsible for taking the blood sugar into your cells. Then these, those three hormones are going to just wreak havoc uh, upon your health just overall. Uh, but definitely when it comes to fibroids and cancer, uh, they're definitely going to be major risk factors for developing those conditions. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, fibroids, I know, and I, I sent this out on my email, on my autoresponder today in order to let everybody know about the show, but I had an incident occur when I was at work uh, one time, and there was a, a woman in there. She had to be about her 50s, one of my coworkers, and um, she was crying, and um, I kind of asked her what she was crying about, and she said that she was crying tears of joy because the doctor found that the fibroids that she had weren't, um, weren't tumorous or weren't cancerous. Um, are most fibroids cancerous in, in nature? Most fibroids are not cancerous in nature, but they can lead to increased risk of developing ovarian cancer. So, you know, most fibroids do not require hysterectomies. They do not require 
any type of usage, any type of medical intervention whatsoever. You know, require drugs, but they can, they can lead to increased risk, increased risk of developing, of developing ovarian cancer. So that's why it's something that if you have fibroids, you kind of want to take it seriously. You don't want to, you know, get a, get a, get a hysterectomy and get your womb cut out. But you want to see that as, okay, I'm likely being exposed to too much estrogen. You know, something in my environment is estrogenic. Maybe I'm consuming cuts amounts of carbohydrates. You want to kind of take that as kind of overall indicator of your overall health. Now, again, you might have been exposed to a chemical within the womb that caused you to, that caused you to develop fibroids. So you want to keep that in mind. But at the same time, you know, the more the more chemicals you are exposed to over your lifetime, the more carbohydrates you consume over your lifetime, the greater your risk of developing fibroids. Um, so it can be a risk factor for developing ovarian cancer. Um, and ovarian cancer can be, you know, it's, it's a lot more serious. But fibroid tumors are, are, are in general, you know, just by fact, they are benign. Yeah, yeah. And there's a great book out there, and I, one of the books that kind of schooled me about this whole thing, if anybody out there listening is interested in uh, picking up, you probably pick it up in your library or, you know, get it on Amazon. It's called A Hysterectomy Hoax, and it was written by a, a doctor, uh, Stanley West. And I knew at one time when I first started the show, I wanted to get Dr. West on the show, and he contacted me and said he was retired. So, and he didn't want to, um, he wasn't doing anything, so I was never able to get him on the show. But it's a great, great uh, book to read if you want to educate yourself about fibroid, more about fibroids and endometriosis. And like Curtis just said, um, most of the time it's benign, so there's no reason for you to rush out and get a, and get a hysterectomy. Um, with respect to, to all of this, uh, Curtis, let's talk about, you mentioned sugar and insulin, and um, you did a video on uh, sugary drinks, and specifically you spoke about sodas and fruit juices. Can you kind of uh, get into that? Yeah, well, essentially, soda and fruit juice are essentially the same thing, really. Yeah. Um, you know, you know the, the, the juice manufacturers have done a phenomenal job manipulating people into believing that, you know, fruit juice is, be- is better for you. You know, orange juice is good for your health. Um, you know, you should drink a glass of orange juice in the morning, you know, uh, you know, grapefruit juice, you know, uh, whatever, grape juice. And, and most times the juices do contain high fructose corn syrup, which is going to be problematic within itself because it's an added sweetener. But most people, you know, even Sunday Delight, they make 100% juice now. I mean, most, most fruit juice companies, you know, because they know a lot of people, a lot of people are concerned about consuming high fructose corn syrup, and they've, you know, they've, they've watched Food, Inc. and some of these other movies, which have kind of demonized high fructose corn syrup. Um, so people are, aren't buying things with high fructose corn syrup in them. But they are buying, you know, because listening to Dr. Oz, who says don't consume any um, artificial sugars, et cetera, but they are consuming the natural sugars. And to the body, uh, you know, fructose is fructose. If you consume, uh, you know, 30 grams of fructose from orange juice, because orange juice is very, very high in fructose, or high fructose corn syrup, the body's going to treat the fructose the same way, whether you're consuming it from, you know, a, a, a genetically modified corn product or from, a, from an orange on the Florida. The body is, you know, fructose is fructose. I mean, it is, it is, a, it is a monosaccharide. So the body yeah, is going to, to you know, bring it Curtis into the liver. Curtis, just try to break this down for those who don't want to talk over anybody's head. 
Fructose is actually fruit sugar, correct? Well, no. Fructose is not necessarily fruit sugar. Fructose, you know, oftentimes it's found in fruit. But fructose, just by scientific definition, is a monosaccharide, meaning that it's just like a like a it's a it's a it's a it's a simple sugar. Whereas sucrose is a disaccharide. Sucrose is a combination of glucose and fructose, and it's and it's bounded together. Whereas fructose is just like it's just fructose is just fructose, and glucose is just glucose. So glucose. And fructose are both monosaccharides, are both monosaccharides, which is simple sugars that, that, which are not bounded by itself. But fructose is not necessarily a fruit sugar because you can make fructose from corn. You can, uh, you know, fructose is found in, in a variety of different things, but it is, you know, mostly, primarily found within fruit. But not all fruit contains fructose. You know, some fruits contain higher amounts, other other fruits contain lower amounts. For example, berries, for example, strawberries, um, they contain very, very low amounts of fructose. But fructose is what gives fruit its sweet flavor. But, again, I mean, that, that's, that's not always the case because, you know, watermelon is really, really, really sweet. But that's, watermelon is actually really, really high in glucose. It's not really high in fructose. So fructose uh, primarily, you know, it can be found in fruit, but it's not just solely just a fruit sugar per se. Okay. But what happens is, is that, okay, so, you know, fructose is found within fruit in, you know, naturally low amounts, naturally, usually. But if you consume five apples, okay, you're consuming a lot of fructose, okay? So when you, you know, so essentially when you consume eight ounces of apple juice, orange juice, grape juice, whatever, you know, those, those are the most popular juices, you are consuming five apples, five oranges, um, you know, I'm, I'm close to about 50 grapes. You're consuming a, a lot of fruit. Now, it doesn't feel like it because you're not consuming the whole fruit. You're just consuming, you know, the juice from it. So you're essentially consuming the sugar. But calorie for cal, but, you know, pound for pound, calorie for calorie, sugar for sugar, you're getting the same type of sugar that's found in a regular can of soda. You know, oftentimes fruit juice contains more, more sugar. Uh, because, you know, they had to juice such large volumes of fruit in order to obtain a certain amount of juice. So, for example, like I think like eight ounces of orange juice has about roughly about uh, 35 grams of sugar, whereas a can of Coke only has about 30 grams of sugar. But since you are consuming, you know, five, you know, you are consuming close to about five oranges in that one eight ounce of orange juice, you're consuming about roughly about 20 grams of fructose, and it's going straight to your liver. It's not being digested. It's not being there's, – there's, it's just going straight because it's a liquid, so it's going straight to your liver. And that's where the problem, the problem comes in because it's immediately metabolized by the liver and overwhelms it because the liver does not have the capacity to, to, to metabolize the, such large quantities of fructose at one time. So what happens is that the liver creates these different fatty acids, which you know, get stored into your arteries. They create fatty acids, which actually make you insulin resistant. Uh, and over time, you develop fatty alcohol, you know, fatty alcohol liver disease. Uh, you develop obesity because what happens is when you consume fructose, but the fructose gets converted into fat because, again, you're creating those fatty acids. So it just wreaks havoc on your liver because your liver is the organ which, respon which is responsible for metabolizing fructose. The liver metabolizes alcohol, 
and it metabolizes fructose. And there is no biological need for fructose at all. You know, and naturally you're supposed to consume fructose in very, very small quantities. You know, I mean, for 200,000 for 200, 200, years, we weren't consuming fruit juice. We were consuming whole fruits. And, we, you know, and again, I mean, fruit wasn't like, wasn't like the basis of our diet. It was something that was, you know, rare. We weren't consuming, like, you know, just 20 bananas a day or, you know, some people have these really extreme diets. We consume just really extreme amounts of fruit. Uh, and... Again, it's, it's not healthy. Uh, these smoothies that people are consuming aren't healthy because, again, you're consuming a whole lot of fruit, a whole lot of fruit, particularly if you're getting, if you're getting a smoothie like from a place like uh, Jamba Juice or some of these other commercial smoothie places actually add sugar. On t- they yeah. add sugar, fruit juice, on top of the fruit that they mix in to the smoothie. Um, but just yeah. consuming just large amounts of fruit like that, um, you're just consuming excessive amounts of fructose, and that's not healthy. It's not healthy for your liver. And it's definitely not healthy uh, for your gut, too, because it's going to make you uh, gain weight. I remember um, when I first, before I knew what I know now, I used to be my favorite spot, Jamba Juice, and I thought it was so, so healthy. And now, knowing what I know, I was like, wow, how did you make that that mistake? But, you know, we, we all learn. We all learn. Um, with re- regards to insulin, uh, Curtis, can you kind of take us through what actually happens? We eat, we eat some fruit or we um uh, uh, consume a sugary drink. How does that insulin respond, and and what happens when it when it comes to fibroids? Well, when it comes to fibroids, what happens is that when you consume a sugary drink, uh, you consume fruit juice, you become insulin resistant. Okay, so not only are is your blood sugar levels dramatically increasing as a result of consuming the the sugary drink or the fruit juice, etc. Um, you over time because of the fructose the fructose makes you insulin resistant. So what happens is that, you know, whenever you do consume a sugary drink or any type of carbohydrate, again, uh, your, your body, your pancreas has to, has to pump out more insulin because your cells within your body are resistant to it. So it's not, it's an, essentially it's a matter of efficiency. You know, you have to kind of, the body has to pump out more because your cells are resistant to it. Uh, and because your cells are resistant to it, your insulin levels go up higher. So over time, what happens is, is that all this excessive amounts of insulin, it stimulates, you know, your, you know, uh, your cancer cells or any type, of, any type of malignant growth or even benign growth, it stimulates those cells to grow. So, you know, you, you, know, you have fiber, you know, the average woman is predisposed to fibroids already as a result of being to the chemicals. So the cells are already predisposed, and all cells within your body have insulin receptors on them. So what happens is, is that, you know, those they receive excessive amounts of insulin. So they grow as a result of it because that, that's what insulin does. Insulin stimulates cancer cells, any type of, you know, benign, uh, benign or even tumor cell. It stimulates it to grow. So that's why, you know, a lot of, a lot of doctors are concerned about people consuming excessive amounts of carbohydrates because those cancer cells and those fibroid cells, if you will, though they have insulin receptors on them. And the more insulin that they are exposed to, the more, the, more, the more they grow and divide, or basically the tumors get bigger, the cells yeah. get bigger. Uh, so that's what so, happens is that you, you develop insulin resistance. Not only that, but you're consuming the drink within itself, uh, which stimulates you to produce even more insulin. Uh, and when you do consume the drink, you have to even produce even more insulin because your body's insulin resistant. And when you develop insulin resistance, your body has chronically high levels of insulin. So it's not just like you know, a situation where you consume carbohydrate, uh, your insulin levels go down, 
when you have insulin resistance, they remain higher because the body is resistant to it. So you have to sell the pancreas to pump out more insulin in order to make up for the insulin that it pumped out before, which is not working because your cells are resistant to it, essentially. And insulin resistance is the hallmark of type 2 diabetes, which close to about 300 million people around the world have now. Um, you know, and that's a huge risk factor with developing heart disease and a whole host of other problems. And for men out there, once you develop insulin resistance, your sex life goes out the window uh, because that because that excessive amounts of insulin and even just the blood sugar itself, uh, it actually begins to damage your arteries. And again, if you damage your arteries, then the blood flow can't get to your penis in order for you an erection. Uh, so, for you know, just for not only for, for women out there, when they develop insulin resistance, consume all the sugary drinks, they have a whole host of problems. For men out there, when you do the same thing, you're 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 on a you're on a really just a you're on you're on a course to disease, to chronic disease too. Because once you have high blood sugar, once you have insulin resistance, you have you have increased risk of cancer, heart disease. Uh, eye problems, vision problems, uh, sexual dysfunction for men and women, uh, fibroid tumors, prostate cancer, just about any disease you can think of, high blood pressure, it all starts with the blood sugar and with the insulin resistance. And then from there, it just cascades into a whole host of other problems that you experience. Yeah, I wanted, I wanted to switch gears um, to talk about men before I do. Um, just what Curtis is talking about, I'd be interested in learning more about the mechanism of glucose and sugars feeding cancer. There's a Otto Wahlberg did a study on this a long, long time ago. This was wow, way, way back, and um, he explained how sugar feeds cancer. So if you're interested in checking that out, just Google Otto Wahlberg, and you can check that out. Now, with respect to switching gears with men, there's a lot of men around carrying big bellies. A lot of them have uh, man boobs. And essentially, this is the same. They're having these conditions because of, of estrogen. Is that correct? And, and also insulin. Yes, that is correct. Uh, excuse me. Yes, that is correct. And the reason why is because that, uh, number one, when you have excessively high amounts of insulin, then that causes you to store fat around your midsection. And once you develop belly, once you develop belly fat, then the belly fat actually converts your testosterone into estrogen. So your testosterone levels go down and you begin you actually become like a like a, a an estrogen factory. And when you produce more estrogen as a man then you develop man boobs. Um, you know, so you know, that's one one way that high insulin levels actually contribute to man boobs. Not only that, but when you're being exposed when you're consuming like sugary drinks, the fructose itself causes you to store fat around your midsection. And again, once you have belly fat, your testosterone gets converted into estrogen. Uh, and when you, and also, you know, when you're drinking canned beer and all these other different beverages, um, you know, which contain some of these different estrogen and chemicals, then you are dramatically increasing your risk of developing man boobs, uh, impotence, lowering your testosterone levels. Um, you know, men today, the tes- their testosterone levels are at an all-time low, um, and, and it's been a consistent 30-year decline. Uh, for testosterone for men in the past, I think, since 1970s. And again, I mean, a lot of it is due to the fact that men's diets are bad, but also it's due to the fact that men are being exposed to these chemicals from the womb, which actually actually destroy their ability to produce testosterone later on in life because it, it destroys their, what's known as their Sertoli, Sertoli cells. Uh, and there's a great documentary called Assault on the Male, 
uh, by BBC. And it kind of yeah, gets, into, gonna... gets into this. Uh, and why you're seeing, like, the feminization of fish uh, across the world. Uh, and, you know, all these male animals are having these uh, genital, genital defects. But the same thing is happening to humans. Men's penises are getting smaller. Their, their, their testicles, uh, they have unsented testicles, hypospadia, uh, all types of uh, birth defects and genital defects. And, you know, what was the, the sperm what count was the is just dropped by close to about 50%. And yeah, then what again, was the name all of that the results are to amounts of estrogen. What was the name of that documentary? What was that documentary called? Oh, excuse me. The documentary was called The Assault on the Male. It's a BBC, it's a BBC documentary, a British broadcasting uh, company. Yeah, but did you see um, the disappearing male? That's a, it's another one out there. I saw that one, and that kind of covered. Yes, uh, that was that was on the Canadian broadcasting channel. You know, it's funny how all these all these great <laughs> documentaries come on these these non American networks. But uh, yeah, I did see that one. That was awesome. I thought it was incredible, yeah, incredible yeah. information. That was good good information. If anybody's interested in that one, you can look at it free on Vimeo. Just go Vimeo, go to Vimeo, type in the disappearing male. And it'll come up. I think it's about 45 minutes, but it's well worth the 45 minutes. To kind of, and it kind of explains just what uh, Curtis was actually um, uh, talking about. Now, I had a question for you. Somebody dropped a question in the, um, the Facebook fan page, and she said that, um, is there a point when you have fibroids? Joetta asked this question. She said, is there a point when you have fibroids that it's, just too far. If your fibroids have grown too much, you said most naturalists tell you that you, you're not able to get rid of them naturally. Is that true or not? I well, no. I mean, I mean, all tumors can eventually shrink. Uh, so you know, it's not a situation where you can. I mean, yeah, you might not be able to get rid of them surgically because it might it might cause too much damage uh, to do that. But the, the all fibroid tumors. I mean, because it, it, tumors. Tumor, if, if tumors can grow, then tumors can shrink, um, and, that, and that is a fact. You know, if you stop, you know, feeding the tumor, then you know, and, and doing things to kind of shrink it, then it will shrink. Um, so it is possible for you to, you know, it is possible for you to shrink your fibroid tumors, no matter how large they are, um, because I mean, just, I mean, it's kind of like cancer. It's possible for you to shrink your cancer cells. Um, as long as you stop feeding the cancer. But what happens is that most people, they don't, you know, they don't know that they're feeding the cancer every day through their diets and their cosmetics and whatever else they're using. Um, so they're constantly feeding it. But once you stop feeding it, then it just naturally shrinks. Mm-hmm. Now, I know, I know you've got to get out of here, Curtis, and I wanted to get, give you a quick, just two quick questions, and you can kind of give us mm-hmm. the Cliff Notes versions of them. Um, you just mentioned being able to shrink them. What are some strategies that women can use to to shrink fibroids? And also with men, um, what are some strategies they can use to get rid of men boobs, guard themselves, and guard themselves against uh, impotence? You can take either one of those first, whichever you want. Okay, okay. Uh, Well, I would recommend, I mean, I have a really awesome recording called Live Fibroid Free, and it gets into exactly how to shrink uh, and cure fibroid tumors, um, and it, that, that recording is available on my website. It's uh, www.drcurtisduncan.com. That's drcurtisduncan.com, and you just click on where it says products, and you'll see Live Fibroid Free, 
awesome recording on doing that, and I kind of tell people how to avoid some of those different chemicals. Um, I mentioned some today, parabens, lead, but there are a lot more um, that you so, definitely want to avoid, um, along with I recommend a certain diet, dietary protocol that women can follow in order to shrink the fibroid tumor. So that would be one way I recommend that. Um, and you those know, same, that women, those you know, check out the recording. That has a really it's, it's awesome information. Um, I've gotten a lot of great feedback on that. Uh, as far as for men, definitely I mentioned the canned food, so cut out the beer, you know, because beer is a huge, beer is a highly, highly, highly estrogenic food um, because it's made from hops, which is actually a, a kind of a natural plant-based estrogen. Uh, so whenever you're consuming a amounts of beer, you're actually lowering your testosterone levels, increase your risk of developing man boobs and belly fat as a result of all the excess estrogen that you're being exposed to. If you're consuming canned beer, then you're being doubly uh, estrogenized uh, because a can contains bisphenol A, which is a major risk factor for developing man boobs. Um, but also, I have a great recording called The Chemical Feminization and Emasculation of Men, which kind of gets into how to avoid all different chemicals which men are exposed to, and it's geared specifically towards men because, you know, men have different products that they use on a consistent basis. Women have different products that they use also as well. Uh, so that, that recording is geared uh, towards men in particular and helping them to avoid some different chemicals which cause impotence. Um, this always is one. That's why I recommend you avoid canned foods um, and canned beer in particular. Uh, so that's another recording. That also recording is available on my website, www.d as in dog, r c u r t i s d as in dog, u n c a n dot com. Um, that's d r c u r t i s d u n c a n dot com, and you can learn more about uh, those two recordings. Um, and that would be my recommendation uh, for both people to kind of to learn more. If they, if they want like a kind of personal consultation, I'll offer those two on my website. People can uh, can learn more uh, as far as my like one on one services that I offer. So I got uh, real quick here. Um, we didn't cover. We didn't really talk more about endometriosis, but um, the same things that cause fibroids pretty much cause endometriosis. The estrogen, the estrogen dominance. Is that, is that correct? Yeah. In particular, um, bleach tampons are going to be the hugest risk factor for developing endometriosis because those contain dioxins, mm-hmm. and dioxins um, are, have, have been proven in numerous studies to cause endometriosis. So um, the, for women, if they want to avoid endometriosis, ditch the bleach tampons. Uh, and also, you also probably want to avoid a lot of those pads too because the pads are, are, are cotton pads. And cotton is the most heavily pesticided, uh, heavily pesticided crop on the planet. Um, it contains numerous pesticides. Uh, and those pesticides also mimic estrogen as well. Uh, and the, the vagina is very absorbent. Whatever you put in the, in the vagina is eventually going to be absorbed within the body within a matter of minutes. Um, so you definitely want to be very conscious about what you put into your vagina. Um, they have a lot of different uh, reusable menstrual cups. I'm not going to name drop because I don't want to, you know, I'm not, they haven't paid me to name drop, but there's a lot of reusable silicone menstrual cups um, that you can check out and look up online um, where, you know, you're not being exposed to all those different chemicals. Um, that you know a lot, of, a lot of people use. You can also use organic cotton pads. I really don't recommend tampons at all, just for various reasons. It, it kind of clogs up the vagina. You want to kind of let your menses flow down rather than push it up and 
Um, so probably your best bet to use pads. Uh, and again, they have those reusable menstrual cloths. Definitely want to make sure those are organic too. To avoid any type of chemicals, because again, I mean everything, all clothing is made from cotton as well too. Um, and also, you know, they have those reusable silicone menstrual cups which you can use um, to avoid some of the harmful chemicals that are found in tampons and other types of sanitary napkins and uh, regular cotton pads. Yeah. Now, before I let you out of here, I wanted you to kind of touch on this, and this will be the last thing, I promise, Curtis. <laughs> um, oh, no, you, mentioned, you mentioned one study that you had seen, and I I'd heard you, uh, I don't know if it was on your site or another video or something, but you mentioned a study that um, I think it was someone in the Army, they did it, and they said the young girls were uh, essentially going through puberty at the age of seven. Can you talk about that study? Yeah, um, the study I was referencing, it was a study done by this Army, um, he was an Army endocrinologist, uh, and what he did is he conducted a study, or he published a study, where he noted that, um, I think uh, it was a study of four black girls, and one of the black girls was only about 14 months, so she was an infant, essentially, and she developed pubic hairs and breasts as a result of using uh, BB, or just BB hair care products, which is, that's a popular hair care line uh, for black women. But essentially, these are black hair care products, um, which, again, contain, contain the highest amounts of hormones and contain the high, highest amounts of estrogen or estrogenic, estrogenic chemicals. And as a result of using this, uh, the, the, the young child, it was only 14 months, 14 months old, developed pubic hair and breast. Uh, and after stopped using the products, then the, you know, then she stopped going into uh, puberty. Essentially, you know, she didn't go into puberty. Uh, she didn't develop puberty care or breast anymore. But uh, what that study noted was that the reason why a lot of black women have higher rates of fibroids and higher rates of breast cancer, particularly women under black women under the age of 40, is because of black hair care products. And uh, that's something that you know a lot of um, black women need to be aware of. All these different relaxers, conditioners. Uh, shampoos, uh, just any type, of, any type of black hair care product is going to be extremely toxic, extremely toxic, and it's going to contain, studies have shown, the highest amounts of hormones, um, and those hormone-containing products are also very popular amongst, African, amongst black women because, you know, it's assumed that, you know, that, hey, using hormone, hormonal products will make me grow my hair out. And it will, yes, it will make you probably grow your hair out. But also make you grow breast cancer too, and fibroids, and make you pack on pounds too, because estrogen makes you gain weight. It makes you store, makes you gain weight and store it too, as well. So it makes you, you know, makes you produce fat essentially. So you definitely want to um, avoid black hair care products, relaxers. I mean, you know, it's really toxic. I know, you know, we, you know, society and social pressures and your job. Uh, but you can just avoid avoid using those products. Um, and I, I really don't know of any natural. I, I really do not know of any natural relaxers. Don't recommend any because you know I haven't really evaluated the products. But I really don't trust them because even a lot of even a lot of these natural products out here contain questionable ingredients. Um, so you really have to be careful. You have to really uh, know what you're kind of putting into your body. Um, so yeah, that was a study I was referencing. It was a study about uh, black hair care products and how they cause early puberty and also contribute to high rates of uh, breast cancer amongst black women under the age of 40. Yeah, cool, cool. Well, I'm going to let you go, man. I know that you got some uh, 
something to take care of with your family, but I appreciate you uh, coming on the show. Maybe we can do something together uh, in the near future, but thanks again for, for coming on the show, Curtis. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you again. I appreciate all the support, um, and you know, I appreciate you having this radio show and this outlet to communicate with people and share um, information. And man, it's, it's been a tremendous blessing. I've known you uh, for a while now, so to kind of connect with you on air uh, was definitely uh, my pleasure, and I thank you tremendously again for having me on air. It was definitely uh, my pleasure to come on. All right, man. Thank you, and I'll, I'll talk to you soon, buddy. Okay. Wish you all the all best. Right. All right. Thanks. All right, so that's the end of the show. Um, I hope I got we answered some of your questions about fibroids. If you want to check uh, Curtis Duncan out, I think he gave you all the information for his site. There was one thing I wanted to touch on if you're out there listening, and we didn't get it, get, it, get in on this while we were uh, actually talking, but um, the fact of, of just birth control pills adding to, to estrogen. I know that a lot of times when you go to your gynecologist, the first thing that they're going to do when you have uh, fibroids and endometriosis, if you have bleeding, they're going to prescribe you uh, birth control pills. And in most cases, that is adding to the added estrogen. So I just wanted to um, let you know that. And again, there's a great, great book. I mentioned this on the air. It's called A Hysterectomy Hoax by Dr. Stanley West. Check, pick up that book. Read it, and you'll know the real deal about why you should avoid hysterectomies. I can't um, recommend that book enough. It taught me a whole, whole lot, and I know that it'll teach you a lot, too. So thanks for listening. Next week, I'm going to have to have Dr. Lynn Lafferty on. We'll be talking about the consciousness of disease, why some people don't heal, why some people don't want to heal, and just the overall uh, thing about uh, integrated medicine. So I hope you'll join me for that show be at the same fat time, be at the same fat channel. Thank you for listening tonight. Peace.